from 0 and 3 to 6 and 4, the Minnesota Vikings have a five-game win streak after defeating the New Orleans Saints again, 27 to 19. This game had ups, this game had downs, just like every single Minnesota Vikings game in the last, what, three to four years? And I'm going to break all of it down on this episode of the Minnesota Tim Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. We're not goons. We're not bullies. No matter what people say or do, we have to be ourselves. You. Guy Germain. From where? Uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. Les Averman, Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. Charlie Conway, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I'm Gordon Bombay, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Minnesota! From the lakes of Minnesota. Okay, so 27-19, Vikings get it done at home versus the Saints. And I've got some thoughts on this game. Josh Dobbs, 23 for 34, 268 yards. Almost eight yards a throw on average. One touchdown, zero interceptions. Eight carries, 44 yards. The Josh Dobbs story continues. What this guy has done in 12 days, because that's how long he's been a part of this Vikings organization, has been nothing short of incredible. And I'm going to get into this entire game shortly. But Josh Dobbs is the A topic. Because what he did in the first half for the Minnesota Vikings was as entertaining as I've ever seen a Minnesota Vikings game. Like, when the Vikings had the ball, the Vikings' offense was electric. It reminded me of 2009. It wasn't quite 2017 because I thought it was more electric than 2017. 2017 had the amazing, miraculous miracle in Minneapolis. Case Keenum to Stephon Diggs. That's the most electric play in Minnesota Vikings franchise history. But in terms of the season... Josh Dobbs gave me Brett Favre to Sidney Rice and Percy Harvin in 2009 vibes. The offense was rolling. Dobbs was completing these amazing throws to TJ Hawkinson, who I said last week finally awoken from his coma that he was in for the first few weeks of the season because he is easily and obviously... Josh Dobbs' favorite target as a quarterback. 11 catches, 134 yards. While not being fully healthy. While having this issue with his ribs, which he had to come out of the game, get checked out. He came back into the game. TJ Hawkinson is as tough as he looks. Because rib injuries are no joke. And I know there's so many jokes about the ear infection and everything else in training camp. But that was a holdout. Let's call it what it was. 
He didn't have an ear infection. He didn't have an issue with stiffness in his back. He was holding out for a major contract. And now, several weeks into the season, he is earning that contract. After week 10, Minnesota Vikings fans and the Minnesota Vikings organization are like, yeah, you earned that. In the first five, six weeks of the season, dropped passes, dropping passes in the end zone, tough catches, but you're now the highest paid tight end in the NFL. Those are plays that you have to make. And here's my analysis on Josh Dobbs in the first half because he was sensational. He gives the Minnesota Vikings such explosiveness that we've never, ever seen before since Fran Tarkenton. And I didn't watch Fran Tarkenton play, so let's stop joking about it or stop pretending that we watched him play. Joshua Dobbs is the most explosive quarterback in terms of his legs since Fran Tarkenton. He's the most explosive quarterback I've ever watched in a Minnesota Vikings uniform in terms of his legs. And it's not even close. I mean, what other quarterback was as mobile as Joshua Dobbs? What other quarterback was even in the same stratosphere as Joshua Dobbs? Teddy Bridgewater could move a little bit. Christian Ponder could even move a little bit. But these guys weren't avoiding linebackers and defensive ends and cornerbacks and running into the end zone. These guys could scamper out for five, six yards if the defense was in a prevent defense. But Josh Dobbs, he's not just scrambling, but he's juking out these, these cornerbacks, the fastest players on the field, and scoring touchdowns. He's scrambling to his right and finding TJ Hawkinson for massive plays. We have never seen a quarterback do this. At least in the last 30 to 40 years. Maybe Fran Tarkenden did. I mean, I've seen video of it. He did. But I didn't watch him play live. I don't know him enough about his game to be like, oh yeah, he's like Fran Tarkenden. So I'm going to not pretend that I did. But here's the difference between Dobbs and Cousins. Because... Dobbs gives us another explosive avenue on offense. But he's also going to miss wide receivers that are open. There were some plays that were on instant replay where Brandon Powell was wide open in the background and Josh Dobbs scrambled and made a play that way. It was just a different way to make a play. Cousins would have hit Powell and it would have been like a 20-yard gain, maybe even a touchdown. Dobbs scrambles to his right, finds C.J. Hawkinson, and it's like a 15, 20-yard play. The same regardless, but just a different kind of explosive play. The question is, and the question will be for the rest of the season, because the Vikings are 6-4, and four, and the schedule just gets easier for these next few games. The question will be, if Josh Dobbs, and this has been the question for like the last two years, with Kirk Cousins. And the question still remains, but it just flips to Joshua Dobbs. If Joshua Dobbs continues to perform the way he's performing, 
for the rest of this season? Do you take a massive risk and re-sign him? A guy who's been on like seven teams in the last two years to a massive contract? Or is what he's doing so special that he won't be able to do it again? You know, you have to just, you know, figure out in your mind, like, is this something that can be consistent over five to ten years? Or is this a flash in the pan? I said in the first half, and I tweeted this out and I put it on my Facebook page, Minnesota Tim, Josh Dobbs is the modern-day Benjamin Franklin for creating electricity in the Minnesota Vikings offense. The U.S. Bank Stadium crowd was going insane. Twitter was going crazy because we have never, ever, ever seen a scrambling quarterback make these kind of plays in a Minnesota Vikings uniform. And one more thing. You know, historically, a backup quarterback comes in against the Minnesota Vikings and we're like, oh, now it's time to watch out. We've got to recognize what's been happening with the Minnesota Vikings because our starter goes down, our backup goes down, we trade for a starter that got benched in Arizona who said he was getting traded and then gets traded to Minnesota. And he's making magic. Case Keenum made magic in 2017. What the Vikings have been able to do with backup quarterbacks has been an outlier. And there's been several games in franchise history where the backup comes in, marches their team down the field. Josh McCown in like 2003-2004 knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs with the Cardinals on like 4th and 20. There's been other games too. And we're like, oh my word, what is it like to be a Vikings fan? Oh, I feel so bad for myself. Backup quarterback comes in and just takes us down. Oh, it's so hard being a Vikings fan. My life is so hard. Josh Dobbs, Case Keenum. (laughs) It's been insane what Vikings have found and been successful with in terms of backup quarterbacks. And then the second half happens. It's 24 to 3 at halftime. And my thought, and I think a lot of Minnesota Vikings fans are thinking this, is this is going to be the first double digit win in forever for the Minnesota Vikings. Because the Vikings like to play in one score games. And then the second half happens. Derek Carr goes down. And the only guy that could have got the Saints back in this game was Jameis Winston. And the only guy that could cough up the victory or a tie game for the New Orleans Saints was Jameis Winston. You get the best of both worlds with this quarterback. He was throwing jump balls to Alave. He caught a touchdown. He threw a jump ball to Perry. He got a touchdown. Byron Murphy Jr. got mossed twice. In the second half, four New Orleans Saints touchdowns. Nobody would have threw that second touchdown pass by Jameis Winston in the NFL except for Jameis Winston. And nobody would have thrown those two interceptions that he had in the second half 
except for Jameis Winston. He is the biggest blessing and or curse quarterback in the NFL. You get all sides of him. And he brought them back, and he was also detrimental towards the Saints in terms of completing the full game comeback. But the story in the second half is Kevin O'Connell's conservative P.J. Fleck-type play calling when the Vikings had an opportunity to put the Saints away. Honestly, I got a little Atlanta Falcons 28-3 to vibes in the Super Bowl in that second half because Vikings are up 24-3. to They could put the Saints away with a field goal late in that game. Ty Chandler runs it in for a touchdown. Brian O'Neill has a holding call. That brings the Vikings back. A little bit earlier, Greg Joseph missed a 54-yarder when the Vikings you know, were debating going for it on 4th and 3 or 4th and 4. They kick it, he misses. Saints have good field position. They score a touchdown. Then you know the whole O'Neal holding, Ty Chandler, and then the Joshua Dobbs sack knocks the Vikings out of field goal range, have to punt it away. It just seemed like I've seen this movie before because the Falcons when they coughed up the 28-3 lead against the Patriots, it was the same scenario where they were in field goal range. I think they had a penalty, but then they got a sack, knocked them out of field goal range. Patriots go down, score a touchdown, convert a two-point conversion, and tie the game, goes into overtime, they win in overtime. It kind of had the same kind of feel to it. But fortunately for the Vikings... Jameis Winston does Jameis Winston thinks. But again, the storyline is Kevin O'Connell's conservative second-half play calling. And my first point before I defend or criticize O'Connell is this. As Minnesota Vikings fans, if we were down at halftime 24-3, we would have been calling on Kevin O'Connell to make the halftime adjustments. Because everyone likes to talk about halftime adjustments. And I like to talk about halftime adjustments. I'm one of those everybody. The Saints made halftime adjustments. Josh Dobbs was not nearly the same quarterback in the second half as he was in the first half. One, he was missing guys that were open. TJ Hawkinson, it was like, a possession where the Vikings could have put the Saints away. TJ Hawkinson was open on like a third and 10. He would have had a run for like five yards, but he only had one guy to beat, and Hawkinson's a big guy. He would have carried him across the first down line, and Dobbs threw it at Hawkinson's feet. So there was plays like that. But then on the final offensive possession for the Vikings in terms of trying to put the Saints away, besides, you know, the punt with 15 seconds left or whatever, um, the Vikings ran the ball three times. And I saw a tweet out there by somebody. I don't know even know who it was anymore. But he said something along the lines like, I hate that third and 12 play call. And that's how I know you're a pretty, like, I don't want to say stupid, but immature Vikings fan. Because if you were a mature Vikings fan, you would have hated the play call on first or second down. Okay, you run it on first down, you get zero yards. 
You run it on second down and you get zero yards again? Or you lose two yards, so it's third and 12? And there's only one play on third and 12 with the defense sitting back. You run the ball, you eat up the clock, versus you pass it, it's an incomplete pass. Then they got like three minutes left. You wind down the clock, now they only got like two minutes left. That was the right play on third and 12. But it was the wrong play on second and 10. You've got to give yourself a manageable third down opportunity to put the Saints away. And I love KOC. But it's so funny also how everyone was just hailing KOC as the coach of the year last year against the Falcons. What he was able to do translating plays to Josh Dobbs in his secret aerospace language. And now this week after three conservative play calls with a quarterback who's only been here for 12 days against the Saints defense that's been fired up and against the Minnesota Vikings defense that has been slowing the Saints down almost the entire game. He runs three conservative play calls. The Vikings defense makes a play. It's the end of the game. I would have liked to see a more aggressive play. I'm an aggressive-minded guy. And Kevin O'Connell's an aggressive-minded guy. And I think in another situation, like next week, where Josh Dobbs has been here at least 19 days instead of 12, O'Connell's going to be more aggressive. We saw the magic in the first half, and we saw it deteriorate. The Saints defense made their adjustments, and they slowed down Dobbs in the second half. Allowed the defense to win the game. They held the Saints to 19 points. Now, there's an argument to be had where you don't have to allow the defense to go on the field at all, which is the argument that I typically take more times than not. But I understand O'Connell's reasoning. It's not a reason to come with pitchfork nation at the head coach. Jordan Addison, four catches, 69 yards. Ty Chandler, 15 carries, 45 yards. You know what's funny is Ty Chandler had a couple of nice runs. He had that little shotgun run for a touchdown. Josh Dobbs has, uh, had another rushing touchdown, which uh, in two games, not two not full games, came in late first quarter in the Falcons game. He already leads the Minnesota Vikings in rushing touchdowns through 10 games. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, but Alexander Madison, eight carries, 27 yards. He obviously lacks in explosiveness, but it's also kind of funny because he had more yards per carry than Ty Chandler, 3.4 to 3, roughly the same. Kenne Nwanju, two carries for nine yards. Lots to discuss this week as the Vikings prepare to face the Denver Broncos in Denver. And Denver's getting better, too. They just beat the Chiefs last week, so... Uh, That's not a gimme game either. Um, But thank you for listening. Please subscribe on YouTube if you're watching this on YouTube. And please rate, review, and follow the show on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Vikings 6-4. and Just to remind you, after the first game of the year, I said the season was over. They lost to the Buccaneers. I knew they were playing Philly. I knew the Chiefs game was coming up. That's, you know... Maybe one and four if you beat the Chargers or something like that. I don't know. They beat lost to the Chargers, then they won. They're 0 and 3, then they were 1 and 3, then they lost to the Chiefs, 1 and 4. Now they won five games in a row. Whoever, whatever. Doesn't matter. Um, but the season's back. 
Vikings are six and four. Of course, there's this conversation to be had in the future, like, you know, if the Vikings make it into the playoffs, lose first round, was it worth it? Or would you rather have Caleb Williams for the next 15 years of your franchise? Mm, (laughs) The debate is real. (laughs) Let's just say that much. But Vikings win. We're just going to enjoy the glory that the Vikings are giving us. And I appreciate everyone listening to this show.